On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Pauley. A good Thursday evening to you. We've got some Brewers talk for you, even though the Brewers are getting a day off. It's always nice for the team when they play a day game in front of a full day off because then it's like they get two nights off. Uh, there's a big difference between uh, getting a, playing a night game and then getting the day off and playing the day game because you get those uh, the two evenings to yourself, and they'll get right back at it coming up tomorrow when they welcome in the Washington Nationals for a three-game series. Pitching matchup for tomorrow night, it's going to be Eric Lyle against Eric Fetty, left-hander uh, Lauer, 3-1, 2.60 ERA. Fetty's 2-2 two two with a 4.24 ERA. We'll get more into that as we go along through the program this evening. If you would like to join us, you can do so by calling or texting into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. You can also uh, tweet at me if you'd like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Here's what we've got going on on the program tonight. want to get into Keston here a little bit. What do the Brewers do with him? Because it feels like when they're fully healthy, there's not really a spot for him on the roster. And you don't really know how much he can produce. And the topic of conversation really gets brought up again because of what he did yesterday. Yesterday was a fantastic ball game. Brewers get down by a 4 nothing score. They slowly make their way back. They tie it up uh, late to force extra innings. The Braves take a lead in the top of the 10th. They tie it again in the bottom of the 10th. Braves take the lead again in the top of the 11th. And then Keston Hira hits a two-run home run, a walk-off shot in the bottom of the inning. And the Brewers win the game 7-6. And they take the series and they split the season series. Like, that's, a, that's a big win win for the Brewers yesterday, uh, just being able to have a, a series split against the Braves, and now they are done with the Braves for the year, unless they happen to see them in the postseason once again, like they did last year. But it's just, it's an interesting case right now with Hira, because I just, I don't know what he gives you when he's not playing on an everyday basis. I don't know what he gives you if he plays in an everyday basis, but the the question and the answer to that question gets even more murky uh, when you get into that. So we're going to touch on that coming up in just a few moments. also want to get into uh, the team's struggles against left-handers uh, because that's they, they do win a game that a left-hander starts yesterday because Max Freed was on the mound, but they still don't do a whole lot against Freed. And the numbers when you compare what they do against right-handers versus what they do against left-handers, not only is it about winning and losing, it's about just the the overall raw numbers. They have not been very good against lefties, and we'll get into that a little bit coming up uh, later on. Brewers do make a move today, a small move, and a move that could indicate something is coming or something that just doesn't really matter. So uh, Alc Benninger was uh, was outrighted to AAA. What that means is he was taken off the 40-man roster and sent to AAA Nashville. The 40-man roster stands now at 37. Last year, when players were on the COVID IL, they did not count against the 40-man roster, or essentially you got a 40-man roster exemption when you had a player on the, the COVID IL. So whether it's a whether it's an exemption or whether it's not counting against the 40-man, it, it, it essentially is the same. I don't know if they changed those rules this year, to be perfectly honest. I asked somebody, and i got to get that figured out. Uh, but the 40-man the roster right now for the Brewers, it sits at 37. 
So they've got some room to add players to the 40-man roster if they want to do so. And with the move that they made with Bettinger today, it could just be that they decided that he's not going to be in the big leagues at any point in the near future, so they're going to create some roster flexibility by taking him uh, off the 40-man roster, or it could mean something more is coming. The fact that the 40-man roster is currently at 37, and to be perfectly honest with you, I guess I could count up the numbers on the 40-man roster. Maybe I'll do that at this uh, upcoming break. Um, I'm not sure if Andrew McCutcheon, who's still technically on the COVID IL, if he's counting or not counting against that 40-man at this point. I think he is technically, uh, but there's like an exemption there. Either way, it's 37 or 38. 40-man roster technically at 37 right now. There's just some room there. There's some room. And uh, that, that tells you that maybe something could be coming. We've talked about it before. If there seems like an area on this roster where the Brewers could add it would be from a relief pitching perspective more than anything else. Uh, we're going to talk later on in the program about who may be at AAA could impact the team at some point this year. Probably the number one name that we mention is Ethan Small. In fact, uh, Small was scratched at AAA the other day, but then we later found out that it was due to uh, him having he, he was under the weather he was a little bit sick a non-covid illness so is there a possibility he's not on the 40-man roster right now is there a possibility that an ethan small promotion could be coming at some point in the near future i don't know it just there's there's sp- space available on the 40-man roster there generally isn't space available so do with that information what you would like all right we'll take a break when we come back we're gonna get into keston here a little bit what should the brewers do with hero at the moment, there's a spot on the roster for him, especially with uh, Willie Adamas on the injured list. But when this team is fully healthy, what should you do with him? We'll discuss that coming up in just a moment. This is Brewers Weekly. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. So a really cool moment for Keston Hira yesterday. Brewers are down by a run in the 11th inning. Hits a two-run shot. Wasn't feeling that great, was a little bit under the weather, had, had just found out that he was getting called back up but to, you know, to travel, uh, didn't get a whole lot of sleep, and then he's able to do uh, what he did hitting the home run. He's got, a, he's got three home runs uh, appearing in 16 games so far, so from a power standpoint, it's been pretty good. His batting average at the big league level this year, not great. He's hitting 214. Uh, but again, he's showing some power. He's got the, the three home runs uh, in there. He's got an OPS of 727. That's not a fantastic number, but when you compare uh, a guy who's hitting 214, if he's got a 727 OPS, that tells you that he's doing something uh, with his hits as he has nine hits and three home runs. So one third of his hits this year uh, are, have, have gone over the over the fence. He does not have any doubles. He does not have any triples. I I asked this question and I don't know the answer to it. Um, I, I don't know what you do with Keston Hero. Now, right now, it's really an easy answer, actually, because Willie Adamas is on the injured list. The team's not fully healthy. There's a, there's a, there's a clear spot for him on the roster. You know, so if you've listened to me very much, you know, sometimes people will say, ah, you know what, the Brewers need to go get this person, or the Brewers need to do this, or need to do that. 
And for every move that you make, like not to go all science on you, but the whole idea of the for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction, right? Like that, it, it works in baseball too. If if you are going to add somebody onto the roster, well, that means you have to subtract somebody from the roster. When the Cincinnati Reds were in town, I was getting a lot of comments from people saying yeah, the team needs to go reacquire Mike Moustakis. That was a, that was a common thing, and I still hear it. And I would love for Mike Moustakis to be a Brewer once again. He was he was somebody that I enjoyed uh, watching play on an everyday basis. But who do you take off of the roster? To accommodate that, and I don't think it's an easy answer. I just I don't. Uh, I, I don't up and down the roster. I don't know who you remove for for that. Kind of the same thing here with Keston here. If everybody's healthy, where where does he fit on the roster, and does he have does his skill set fit into a part time role with the Brewers? And that's an answer that we we really don't have an answer to, or that's a question we really don't have an answer to. Because I'm, I'm of the belief that he needs to get regular playing time. And I'm actually of the belief that he needs to get regular playing time at the major league level. I don't know what you get out of going to AAA and hitting 421 with a 1,400 OPS. Like, it's nice to see. Good for him. Maybe he's staying sharp. But the issue has never been what he can do at the minor league level. I, there was a reason that if you're on social media, as he was coming up through the system, and even when he had his first year with the Brewers, when he was really good, really in that first half season or so that he played with the Brewers, something that you saw a lot on social media was the man can hit. Like that's that is from the moment he walked into the Brewers organization in 2017, the man can hit was something that was said over and over and over, as he absolutely destroyed all levels of the minors. I mean, he's a he is a 309 career hitter in minor league baseball over the course of 278 games with a 923 OPS. He has the only time he's done anything that was even in the neighborhood of struggling at the minor league level was when he was working on some adjustments that they they were changing up his swing a little bit at the big league level and he went and worked on it at the minor league level and it was it was taking a little while to come together. If he would have just gone back to the swing that he had used before, he would have continued to rake. But it was one of those it, we say one of those terms in baseball that we use as a 4A player. A lot of times what a 4A player is, is the guy who just destroys everything at AAA, but then can't put it together at the big league level. That that describes a lot of guys. For whatever reason, there's a lot of guys out there that just, they get to that final level, and they can't put it all together. So if Keston Hero wants to be a 4A player, which he doesn't, he's got the swing for it. He can, he can do what he's always done and continue to have a lot of success. Now he's made these changes, he's made these tweaks, and they're working now at the minor league level as well because, as mentioned, he's hitting 421 at AAA, 421 with a 1400 OPS. We still don't know if he can be a contributing member to a team at the major league level. He can he's got power, we know that. And it's it is a really nice thing to have on your bench, a guy that can come off the bench and hit home runs. But does he have that in him? Is he somebody who can go get one at bat every two or three days and then the occasional start at first base, the occasional start as a DH. So you're talking about a guy who's maybe getting 8 to 12 at bats a week 
and maybe not even that much on some weeks, is that enough for him to hit at the big league level? I think right now is the time where we kind of find that out a little bit because until Willie Adamas is able to return. But the Brewers are also going to have a move to make. Andrew McCutcheon is going to be reactivated to the roster tomorrow. And I mean, you just look up and down the 25-man roster, and you try to figure out what exactly the move is going to be. We've seen Mike Brasso go up and down a little bit here uh, recently. Obviously, Keston here has been up and down a, a little bit from a position player standpoint. Yeah, those are probably the two guys. Um, if, Lorenzo Cain is really struggling, really, really, really struggling. And sometimes when a guy is struggling the way Cain is struggling, you kind of find an injury. And I'm not saying you fake an injury. That's not what I'm saying. But everybody gets banged up during the course of the year, right? And when when somebody is struggling, sometimes the smart thing to do is to take the injury that they have and use it as a reason to put them on the injured list. So you can you can put somebody on the IL with an injury that maybe is not severe enough that if they were performing at a higher level, they would they would be okay. Maybe that happens with with Lorenzo Cain at some point. I don't know. Uh, he is he's the one guy on the team who certainly is not performing offensively to a level that they really really need him to, uh, just based on the expectations that you have of him and. Yeah, with with all due respect to Tyrone Taylor, and Taylor's giving you more offensively than Lorenzo Cain. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any argument with that. Uh, but even, I mean, Taylor's not a difference maker. All of a sudden, putting him in the middle of the lineup. Maybe if he does play every single day, he is. But um, yeah, there's just there the, the roster construction of this team um, is it's just a point right now where it's, it's hard to figure out what moves they're going to make to make everything right. Uh, Doug texting in says, you're right, there's no place for him. Talking about Keston Hira. Might be time to trade him. What can you get for him? That's the question. That's yeah, a great question, Doug, and I think his value, it may not be at an all-time low, but it's, it's at a low spot right now. Uh, one thing about the Brewers, and I think this is true about most teams in Major League Baseball, you value your prospects or your guys. You know, not that he's really a prospect anymore, but he's still he's still a developing player. That's probably a better term to use. You value your developing players a lot of times at a higher level than the industry values them. And I just Keston here had great value, great fantastic value a couple years ago. Uh, as the Brewers made the move to get Colton Wong, and they put Hira as the you know they 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 penciled him in as the everyday first baseman when all that was going on, uh, he had he had fantastic value, especially coming off his first season in the big leagues when he played 84 games back in 2019. He hit 303 with 19 home runs and 49 RBIs and an OPS at 940. That was that was high value. What you were going to get back for him then is not what you're going to get back for him now. I think for his best, like if the Brewers could find a spot for him to go where he's going to be an everyday player in the big leagues, that's going to be the best thing for him and his development. But not to, um, this is going to sound somewhat rude, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, it's not the Brewers' job to go find a best spot for Keston Hira it's the Brewers' job 
to keep talented players in the organization and get as much of them as you can. And if there's ever a point where they're more valuable to you on another roster than they are on your roster, then, then you make a move. So it's it's a really tough spot that the team is in right now, I think, with Hira because it, so far he just has not shown that he can do it, can, you know, really perform at a consistent level. And the way this roster is put together right now, it's outside of an injury to probably Rowdy Telez, maybe an injury to Colton Wong because you can put him back at, at second base. But outside of an injury to one of those two guys, he's he's not getting every day at bats. And his best is probably a result of playing just about every day. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. That's the Yankee Net Mortgage Talk at text line. You can tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air. What do the numbers say? From a win-loss perspective, the Brewers have been much worse in games started by lefties against them than they have when facing against a righty. But what about the numbers? What do those say? How do uh, the numbers against righties compare to the numbers against lefties? We're going to go over that coming up in just a moment. This is Brewers Weekly. More Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Off day today for the Brewers. They get back at it tomorrow when they welcome in the Washington Nationals for a three-game series pitching matchup tomorrow. Eric Lauer against Eric Fetty. 7-10 first pitch tomorrow from American Family Field. Our coverage will start at 6 o'clock with Brewers warm-up network coverage at 6.35 tomorrow. If you want to join us uh, this evening, got you for about another half hour, you can do so by calling or texting into the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and text line 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. The numbers in terms of wins and losses when the Brewers are facing off against a right-handed starter or a left-handed starter, they're... There's, there's a significant difference between the two. The Brewers this year in games uh, started by a right-hander against them. So when they're facing a right-handed starter, they are 19-6 and six in those games. So they are 13 games above 500. With their win yesterday, and they were down 4 nothing facing a left-handed starter, eventually they were able to come back and they got the win, but it still goes down as a, as a win against a lefty. So with the win yesterday, they are 5-8 and eight in games started by left-handers. So that's three games below 500. That's a... 13 games above 500 against right-hand starters, three games below 500 against left-hand starters. That's notable. That is that is a huge difference. And you look at the roster, and one thing that obviously is impacting them in terms of success against lefties has been not having Andrew McCutcheon available, and he's going to be back tomorrow when he is set to come off the COVID list. But his numbers against lefties are good, not great. He's hitting 250, has almost a 700 OPS, does have a home run, uh, but I mean, it's not—he's not this guy who's hitting 400 against lefties. Like, you know, we we sit here and say, okay, that's that's a big part of what the Brewers have had and why maybe they're struggling against left-handers. It really isn't. He's done a nice job. You, you want him in the lineup against lefties to be sure, yeah. But this year, it's—he's not—he hasn't been a difference maker against left-handers. In fact, the only player, there's no player on the roster who is is a regular, somebody's on the active roster who's even hitting above 300 against lefties this year. The guy who's got the best numbers against lefties is Hunter Renfro. 
He's hitting two ninety seven. Uh, five of his home runs are against lefties. He has an OPS of almost 1,100 against lefties. So he's been the guy. He has been the guy who has really done a nice job against lefties. Luis Urias has been fine. He's hitting 286 against uh, left-handers. Hasn't driven in runs. Doesn't have any extra base hits. Uh, so it's been it's been mostly singles, a 661 OPS. But he is getting aboard. The overall team numbers for the Brewers against left-handers. They're hitting 216. They have 12 home runs, 34 RBIs, and a 659 OPS. So that's their numbers against lefties. How does that compare to their numbers against righties? It's it's a significant difference. Again, their batting average against left-handers this year, 216. Their batting average against right-handers, 240. Huge difference. Big, big, big difference. Uh, we mentioned the extra base hits. So their slugging percentage against lefties it's at 360. This is actually one of the better numbers against lefties compared to what they do against righties. Their slugging percentage against uh, righties is 427. So the difference, 360 to 427, uh, that's, that's one of the closer numbers when you compare the two. Uh, OPS. Uh, 659 OPS this year against lefties. Uh, you look at what they've done against righties at the 742. So kind of the same thing. But they just they have not been able to put together uh, the numbers uh, against left-handers. Craig Council talked about this the other day, and he remains very confident, very confident that the team is going to start hitting lefties. The problem with this, and I know it's a different team this year to last year, when when there is an issue that exists one year, and then that same issue continues to exist to start the next year, that's when kind of my red flags start going up a little bit. You've heard me talk over and over and over and over and over about how through the first couple months of the season, not a whole lot means much. You don't really know who a team is. They're still developing their identity. You get into June, and then all of a sudden things actually start to matter. And I still stand by that. I think it is. Uh, I think that's very, very true, and I will continue to say that, although June is right around the corner. June, we're, we're a week and a half away from the, from the month of June getting started. So at that point, these numbers to me really do start mattering that much more. But again, kind of you look at what the team struggled with last year, and if those struggles continue this year, you go, okay, did they, did they do enough in the offseason to fix the issues from last year? And when you compare what happened to last year and you look at this team this year, because obviously the team remains in a competitive window, and obviously this team has the ability and the desire to have a deep playoff run, maybe even get to the World Series, maybe even win the World Series. They've got the pitching to be able to do that. The question was, is the hitting going to be able to follow along? And they've been, they've been very Jekyll and Hyde this year from an offensive standpoint. They'll have these really, really big games, and then all of a sudden they'll get shut out or they'll score one run or they'll score two runs. And while their overall aggregate offensive numbers are fine, you see how often they are completely shut down inside of a game. And sometimes it is happening against lefties, and you start to do the thing where you go, okay, is this going to be the downfall of this team at the end of the year? Now, they're having a really good season. They're 24-14 and 14 right now. The 24 wins is tied for fourth best in Major League Baseball. The 14 losses 
is tied for third best in Major League Baseball. Their 632 winning percentage is tied for fourth best in baseball. Like Sometimes I feel like we sit here and we dissect all the negative things that are going on with the team, where in reality, this team is having a fantastic season right now. On pace for 100 or so wins, uh, on pace to win the division, all those things are happening. So when I sit here and I talk about the struggles against left-handers or I talk about the kind of uneven offense that they have had, I say that being well aware of the fact that this is, even with those things going on, this is a team that is winning a lot of baseball games. And maybe I'm doing a bad job because I should be focused more on the positive than I should the negative. But it is, it's one of those, we got this way with the Bucks, right? Like when the, when the Bucks were not having the success in the postseason, this is before the championship, before last year's championship. We got to a point with the Bucks. like Boonholzer, a lot of fans wanted him, and I know some fans want him fired now. But before the championship, and when they faltered in the postseason, there were fans out there that, that wanted him fired uh, because they had not been able to go on that deep playoff run, and they had not been able to win a championship. And... They were held to a higher standard going into last season, going into the championship season. They were being held to a higher standard where a deep playoff run, at minimum, a trip to the conference finals and probably a, a trip to the NBA finals and a championship is really what was what was desired and expected from the fan base. Bluntly, I think we're there with the Brewers. I think the expectation has to be, at the very least, that this is an NLCS team this year. So that's when we start looking at these things and the uneven offense going on and comparing to what happened last year. And you go, okay, have they done enough to be able to get past those offensive inconsistencies that were the downfall last year against the Atlanta Braves? And that is going to be, this this is not going to be the last time you hear me talk about that. That is going to continue to be a narrative throughout the entire course of this season as we watch what the uh, offense is doing. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. What other type of events would you like to see at American Family Field? There was an interesting social media rumor going around today. I don't know if it's true at all. I'll tell you that now. This might be 100% fake, so we'll take it with a grain of salt. But uh, it caught my attention, and uh, we'll pass along that rumor on what could potentially be coming uh, to the ballpark. We'll do that next. It's Brewers Weekly. More Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley coming up on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. So generally, if I'm going to talk about something on the radio, I like to have some sort of confirmation that there might be some truth to it. So let me just start this. I'm not trying to start any rumors that might not be true. I have zero clue if there is any validity to um, to what I'm about to say. I did a, a little reaching out to some folks earlier today trying to figure it out, and I Nobody seems to know, so there's a good chance that this is a, a nothing burger. But even if it is a nothing burger, it creates a, an interesting conversation. So there is a Twitter account out there called the D1 Docket. They have 3,700 followers, so not a, not a huge Twitter account. It's not verified. Uh, I looked at their 
their bio to see whether or not it said parody or anything like that, and it's not. And all this Twitter account does is uh, tweet out things about future college basketball schedules. Now you're going, but Matt, this is this is a Brewer show. Why are you talking about college basketball? Stick with me for a second. So this this Twitter account looks legit. It's not like they're tweeting out any crazy stuff and they're retweeting a lot of legitimate accounts. There's a lot of good information on here. Uh, it does not seem like that they are trying to bring any misinformation. That being said, they tweeted something out earlier today that's kind of interesting. So the D1 docket tweeted out, quote, Source, Wisconsin and Kansas State are in discussion to play what has been dubbed the Brew City Battle at American Family Field, home of Major League Baseball's Milwaukee Brewers, on November 11th. Now, I saw this because I am a very proud graduate of Kansas State. So a lot of people that I follow K-State related on Twitter were tweeting this out. I don't follow this D1 docket account, but it very much came to my attention because of the K-State stuff. So if this is true, I am very excited because I don't get to see my uh, my Kansas State Wildcats play in person very often. So, so I would love this to be true. I, I don't know if it is or not, but it is. We I, I've previously heard... Uh, Rick Schlesinger, president of the Brewers, talk about using the ballpark for more and more things. And we've obviously seen them do a lot of concerts, concerts as uh, standalone events and also concerts, you know, post-game concerts that happen uh, after games. I always feel bad for the grounds crew, especially like the, the big concert that they just recently had. That, man, I can't think about how much work goes into getting the field playable after one of those big concerts comes in uh, to American Family Field. So that is, uh, that's not easy. But you've got this big venue, big building. It's got a roof. Now, from a heating aspect, uh, you, you can't do a college basketball game in December or January or February because while you can heat up the ballpark a little bit, you can't heat up the ballpark a lot. Uh, I, I've always heard that they can keep it about 30 degrees warmer inside as compared to what it is outside. So you probably want it to be at least 40 degrees outside uh, to to stage a college basketball game inside, right? That's probably what you want. You get If you're 40 outside, you can get it to 70 inside. It feels like anything below that would be a little bit chilly to play uh, to play a college basketball game. Um, yeah, so... I don't know. It'd, it'd be cool to see this. We've got a we've got a great ballpark in Milwaukee, and it can be used for other things. And it feels like the team is trying to use it again. I've I've heard Schlesinger talk about you know maybe doing a college basketball game in there. Like that's something that has been on their radar. Whether this tweet is true or not true, that has certainly been something that is on their radar. I kind of feel like there may be some legs to this because, again, I have heard him talk before about maybe doing some college basketball games in there uh, but needing to do them early in the season. So November 11th, uh, you're still 
early enough. You, know, you never know, but you're still. It's probably a, a pretty good gamble that you're going to be able to handle it from a weather perspective and from a warming the biddle, uh, building perspective. So we'll see if it ends up being true or not. But uh, good on the Brewers for continuing to find ways to uh, do more and more things inside of American Family Field, even when the Brewers are not around. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, or you can tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air. M A T T P A U L E Y on air. We'll go around the National League Central because there are some prospects that are going to be making their uh, debut and arriving at the big league level inside the division, and it could impact the divisional race for the Brewers. We'll do that next. This is Brewers Weekly. Catch more Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ. I think we can all agree that the National League Central is not a very good division. You got two good teams, and then you got three teams that are somewhere between bad and horrible. Maybe I'm undervaluing the Cubs a little bit. They've been playing a little better baseball here recently from a talent standpoint. I feel like the Cubs have more than the Pirates and the Reds, uh, but they haven't put it together. But Cubs, Pirates, Reds, whatever order you want to put them in at the bottom of the division, I still think the Cubs are probably the best of the three, but I'm not sure of that. They're just not very good. And then you have the Brewers, who are one of the best teams in baseball. And you have the St. Louis Cardinals, who I also think are a good team. I don't think the Cardinals are as good as the Brewers, but I think the Cardinals are a good team that can certainly make some noise. And something happened today that could impact things in the divisional race. Now, the Cardinals have kind of been falling off the Brewers here recently. The Brewers have grown their lead in the division now to four games. Cardinals have lost a couple in a row. Um, Two of their top prospects, and not just top prospects in the organization, but top prospects in baseball, we found out today that they're getting the call up. Uh, and this could this could change things, this could impact things if they really perform to a level that they are expected to perform. Uh, it could make a big difference in what they're going to uh, what they're going to have. Nolan Gorman is getting called up. He is a he is an infielder who plays generally at second or third. He's got a ton of power, and he has just been absolutely raking at tri- AAA. And then they've got a pitcher in Matthew Libertor, who is a left-handed pitcher who has been putting together very good numbers throughout his minor league career. These guys are ranked number two and three for the Cardinals in terms of their top prospects, uh, according to MLB Pipeline. So their their top prospect is not coming up. He's still down at double A. But Gorman is considered the number two prospect in their organization. Libertor is considered the number three prospect. And when you look at all of Major League Baseball, Gorman is considered the 29th best prospect in the entire minor leagues, and Libertor is considered the 39th best prospect. So they're both top 50 prospects overall in uh, in minor league baseball, and they're both getting promoted to the big leagues. So just kind of something to keep in the back of your mind. You think about the Brewers, and you think about who they might still bring up. At some point, Ethan Small's coming up. We mentioned earlier the their opening spots on the 40-man roster. Small has been so dominating uh, at the AAA level this year, you would think at, at some point, and the Brewers have pretty much confirmed, he is going to be pitching in the big leagues at some point in time. And like most of their uh, 
young stud pitchers that they brought up, you'd think he's going to get the opportunity in the bullpen first. We've seen them do that with Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. They're doing that right now to a certain extent with, with Aaron Ashby. They did it with Freddie Peralta. I mean, that's just the way they do it. That's the way they develop pitchers, and they've had a lot of success with it, and those guys pitching out of the bullpen have given the Brewers some good innings, so there's a good chance we're going to see Ethan Small I'd be surprised if we don't see Ethan Small in the next month, and we might see him in the next week. We might see him tomorrow, uh, for all for all I know, with them opening up that 40-man roster spot. But we're going to see him at some point in time. All right, one last break. We will come back, and we will preview this series as the Brewers are going to uh, play a three-gamer this weekend against the Washington Nationals. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Before the season got started, I thought the NL East was going to be a division with five pretty good baseball teams. I liked them all. I I think I'm right on four of the five, even with the Braves being four games under 500 at 17 and 21. I think we can all agree that the Braves are a pretty good baseball team. Marlins, good team. They're 17 and 20, but I, I like them beyond uh, what their record has been. And then obviously the Mets have had a great start to their season, and, and the Phillies are, are pretty good too. Although the Phillies are below 500, that that division with that group of teams only has one team above 500. The Mets, Phillies, Marlins, Braves, and Nationals uh, are all below 500. I thought the Nationals would probably be the worst of the five, but I still thought they would be a pretty okay team just based off some of the guys that they have on the roster. I think I was wrong on that one. The, the Nationals are not a good team. They're 13 and 26, a 333 winning percentage. Uh, while they're not Cincinnati Reds, ba- although with the, what the Reds have done recently, the Reds are only a couple games back of the Nationals right now uh, for the worst spot uh, overall in Major League Baseball. The Washington Nationals uh, are the second worst team in Major League Baseball. Now they are coming in for a three-game series against the Brewers. Starts tomorrow. Eric Lauer will go for the crew. Eric Fetty makes the start uh, for Washington. And then Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta will start games two and three respectively for the Brewers over the course of the weekend at American Family Field. Tomorrow's game, it is a 7-10 first pitch network coverage at uh, 6.35. I'll have you tomorrow for a Brewers warm-up before the game, and then I will talk to you uh, after the game for Brewers Extra Innings. Look forward to talking to you tomorrow. You've been listening to Brewers Weekly with Matt Foley on WTMJ.